This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. See all your faces now. So pretty. Who's laughing? I'm not pretty. What you what'd you call me pretty for? You are pretty. Oh, aren't you lucky? You get to hear me two weeks in a row. Woo! They must have been desperate. Amen. Well, they were, and it's a long weekend, and I stepped up. Okay. Thank you for letting me speak to you again. Um, does anybody, re- how many of you were here last week? Oh, a lot of you. Okay. So you're going to remember what I talked about. I mainly talked about my story, my transformation. We talked about my road to Damascus moment. You know, that's where Paul sees the bright light. He goes blind and his life is transformed. That's what we talked about. And there was three key things that I got from that. Does anybody remember what those things are? People, come on. Really? I'm just kidding. Those three things, vulnerable, vulnerability uh, is essential to honesty. Number two, shame is binding. Number three, your witness is your weakness. Okay, that, let that ruminate as you uh, try and remember what I talked about last week. Um, And then finally, God's grace being enough. It is more than enough. It's all we need. God's grace is enough for us. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, I want to tell you a story. And and actually, as I'm saying that, you're probably wondering, like, why did it take you half an hour to talk about all that last week? Right? Thank you. Okay. So, I want to tell you a story first. I am on my way here this morning. Here's what happens to me. So I am, uh, I'm driving my truck, and uh, just as I'm going uh, towards Stony Trail, over Stony Trail, uh, I blow a tire. Terrible. We all hate that, right? I hate having to get out and change it. So I get all my stuff out, get the jack, get the tire iron, get the spare tire, and uh, I start, uh, I jack up the truck, and then I start taking the tire off. And uh, tire iron slips. Lug nut comes off. If you don't know what those things are, it's the, the little thing that keeps the on the... Got it? Okay. So the, the lug nut slips and goes rolling out onto the road. I don't even think. I don't think. I just I go out to get it really quick. Bam! I get hit by a truck. <laughs> it's terrible. So, that, so I picked the lug nut up, I went back, I, fi- I put this, the new tire on, I spun it on, and then I came here. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? No, you didn't. You did not get hit by a truck. That did not happen. You're right, it didn't. Two things. I rode my bike to church. Okay? Second thing. <laughs> Second thing you need to know. It is impossible to get hit by a truck and remain unchanged. Am I right? It's impossible. You can't get hit by a truck and get up and walk away. You can't. You know what else you can't get hit by and remain unchanged by? You know where I'm going. God's grace. You think Paul, when he saw that light, he got up and he's like, I'm blind now, okay. Where are those Christians? Let's kill them. No! Paul saw a bright light. He got up and he was a changed man. 
So here's what you need to know. On my road to Damascus moment, I was a changed man. From that day forth, my old life was gone. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I knew that my old life was gone. So what happens next? That's what we want to know, right? And we hear this all the time. If you've been reading your Bible for any length of time, you'll hear these stories in the Gospels. Now, one of my favorite stories is the woman at the well. This is in uh, John 4. The woman at the well. Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. So he's going from the south to the north. And in between, there's this area called Samaria. Now, here's something interesting. The Jews did not go through Samaria, okay? They went around Samaria. They crossed the river, went through a foreign land, and then went back to Galilee because that's how much they disliked it. I love this story. Jesus crossed cultural boundaries. He went into Samaria. He found a woman at the well. And what did he do? He told this woman about everything that was wrong in her life. And then he offered her grace. And he gave her a changing moment in her life. He transformed her. All we know is that this woman went to her friends and said, come, hear everything. Like, you got to see this guy. I'm pretty sure he's the Messiah. Pretty sure. Let's go see him. But where did she go from there? What happened to her? Did she remain changed? Did she ever doubt herself? Did she ever think like, ah, I don't know. Maybe he was wrong. Did she ever wake up one day and think, you know, I wish I could see Jesus again. This life is just so hard. I need, I need more than what happened at that moment. And we see this time and time again in the Bible. Okay, In John 8, the woman ca caught in adultery. We know this story. The Pharisees and the rulers of the law brought this woman and said, Jesus, she was found in adultery. What should we do? And he gets down and he starts writing in the sand. And all these, all these guys are looking at him, and then it says one by one, these men started, they tossed the rocks down and walked away. Till no one was left. And what did he say? He said, who's, who's, where are your accusers? Where'd they go? Who, who accuses you? No one. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Did she sin no more? Do we know that? What do, what do we know? Nothing. There was the man possessed by demons in Mark 5. Jesus heals him. He casts out the legions of demons inside this man. Throws him into pigs. The pigs run off the cliff. We know the story. There's the man at the pool of Bethesda. He says, there's no one to help me get into the pool. Jesus says, well, you don't need it. St get up and walk. Leave. What happened to that man? What is his story like? So here's what I want to answer. But I can't answer those. I, I mean, I don't know. No one knows. So I can't answer that. What I can answer is what happened in after my road to Damascus moment. I can tell you, in my life, Jesus showed up. You all heard my story last week. This is what happened. Now where do we go? What happened in my life? This is what I want to tell you today. And this leads us to the next verse that changed my life. James 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That one's tough, right? Tough for me. See, my story didn't end in my car, crying in my wife's arms. Uh, it, it just began, really. It was unwritten. See, the beautiful thing about grace is that you have to lay down your pride to receive it, right? I need, I need to receive God's grace. What does that mean? It means I need to relinquish my control. There it goes. My pride's gone. Yeah, I screwed up. God's grace has forgiven me. Now what? Now I'm, I'm bare. Like, I'm new. I'm a blank page, and I can write anything on it. So now I have the ability to kind of go like, okay, God's forgiven me. I'm new. I can write my own story here. But how do we sin no more, and what does it look like? So God's grace had set me free. Amen? God's grace sets us free. How do we stay free? That's the question. That's for me, that's what I needed to answer. God's grace set me free. I don't want to leave this place. I want to stay here. I want to stay in freedom. I'm not putting shackles back on. Amen. Right? We're not putting the shackles back on. How do we stay free? There's a quote from, um, I don't know if it's a book. It's more of like a, a just a, well, yeah, technically it's a book, I guess. It's like a binding with pages. Uh, but it's, not, it's just quotes. It's just one guy's like thoughts out of his head. Uh, it's called Discipline Equals Freedom, Field Manual by Jocko Willings. Jocko Willings is a former Navy SEAL. Um, and this is what he says in the first page. He says, people look for the shortcut, the hack. And if you came here looking for that, you won't find it. The shortcut is a lie. The hack doesn't get you there. And if you want to take the easy road, it won't take you to where you want to be. Stronger, smarter, faster, healthier, better, free. To reach goals and overcome obstacles and become the best version of you possible will not happen by itself. It will not happen cutting corners, taking shortcuts, or looking for the easy way. There is no easy way. Are you defeated yet? There's no easy way. Jesus tells us this, right? He says, wide is the gate and wide is the road that lead to destruction. Narrow is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. There is no easy way. And I'm sorry if you came to church this morning expecting me to tell you, here's how you get freedom. Like, here's the recipe. Bake it. It's done. That doesn't exist. There's no easy way. We are transformed. Here's the good and bad news is that we have free will, though. And we need to make the choice. We can accept God's grace and we can move forward and we can find out what we need to do to hold on to that freedom. Or we can get back on the wide way because it's easier. So in my life, in my story, the discipline I knew, not right away, but pretty quickly, the discipline needed to start in three key areas. Number one, discipline needed to start in my mind. Is that what it says up there? Perfect. Just making sure I got it right. My mind. I knew I needed to rid myself of, of the addictions that were holding me. 
Number two, in my body, I knew I needed to be healthier. I was unhealthy. I have a long family history of being unhealthy, and I knew that needed to change. And lastly, my spirit. I knew I needed to grow in my faith. I knew I needed to grow in my knowledge of God. I needed to be closer in my relationship to him more than ever. Because if he transformed me, I'm going to need every bit of help, every ounce of help from him I can get to make this work. This was and is the most important aspect of this transformation. This was and is the most important aspect of my discipline. There's a quote by Charles Colson in the book called Loving God, and he says, it's not just knowledge, it's knowledge acted upon. It's not just belief, it's belief lived out. It's not enough to know these things, it's not enough to read these things, we have to like let it soak in our spirit do you do you guys know what i mean you gotta like you you have to let it permeate your soul so that you can live these things out like the grace my wife showed me was because she had let the words of jesus permeate her soul and she could show me that grace we need to let the words of christ permeate our very being our innermost thoughts And that doesn't happen by reading the word once. It doesn't. And that might sound challenging. And if you're challenged by that or convicted by that, amen, you came to the right place today. This is church, right? We have to let it permeate our soul. So where does discipline start? So for me, discipline started uh, when I was, I was like 18, and I moved to uh, Vancouver. So uh, my, my family and everyone was here. And I packed up and I moved to Vancouver because I just needed to change. And I was living with um, my, uh, you guys know Heidi, Heidi's parents. Heidi is my sister-in-law. She attends here, in case you didn't know, if you're new with us. Um, but I lived with her parents. And her father is a, is a pastor, or was a pastor, he's retired now. Uh, of the church I was attending. And this man, he's a man of God. And he is a spiritual father to me. Thank God for spiritual fathers. And um, as a side note, I would say, if you guys have spiritual mentors or fathers or mothers in your life, uh, and maybe you haven't told them how much you appreciate them, tell them. They appreciate it a lot. Um, but Tom, what was his name? He used to try to, uh, he was trying to get me to flex my discipline muscle, as I like to call it. And uh, he started in a very easy way. Now, he had four daughters, and I think that uh, having a a man in the house was kind of like, I can impart some fatherly wisdom here. So I think that's what he was trying to do. And uh, so he said, I want you to make your bed every day. That's what I want you to do. Make your bed every day. No, man. I haven't made my bed in my life. I'm not starting for you. He was just like, it's simple. Just one task. That's all it takes. One task, make your bed every day. See, I didn't see that at the time what he was trying to do was to like, to instill any form of discipline, right? It's like, listen, I'm okay. I get why we don't make our bed. We're just going to mess it up again. Like, you don't need to. I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm past where you're trying to get me. 
I was so naive and such a punk. But what <laughs> he was trying to like do it, and you'll see that there's fruit from discipline. There is fruit that comes from discipline. What I didn't understand is that if you make your bed every single day without fail and you do this, you get into a habit, okay? That by doing something out of the, out of the, the, just the sheer discipline of it, you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it, you just do it, do the thing over and over and over and over again, you develop what? A habit. A good habit. So that the one day where you need your bed to be made, it's made. You don't have to worry about it. Every single day, you make your bed over and over and over and over again so that when somebody comes to inspect your room, he never inspected my room, just FYI, but it's, when somebody comes to inspect your room, your bed is made. You don't have to, it's thoughtless. It's done. I didn't get this at the time. So where did I find discipline? Because I obviously didn't find it from Tom making my bed. It didn't click. It didn't click for like another 10 years, obviously, if you listened to my story last week. I found it hunting. Yes. I did it. I worked hunting into a sermon. Now I'm going to stand up here for 40 minutes and talk about hunting. You're welcome. No, I'm kidding. But I did find it hunting. And here's how it started. It started with me going out into the bush, ill-prepared. I didn't have the right gear. I certainly didn't have the right fitness. I, and I lacked the ability to hit something. I didn't have the, the necessary skills to do that. So I started doing it. And quickly what I found is that without those things, I had no success. It was an instant feedback system. Lack of preparedness equals lack of results. It was very quick for me to understand. So what did I do? And by the way, if you're hunting, if you're a hunter, you'll get this. If you have hunting buddies, you'll get this. If you're not, here's the thing. Hunters, like, it's a very judgmental community, okay? If you don't get success, you're like, ha, what a loser. Guy can't hit the broadside of a barn. Happens all the time. And my buddies are like, you know, we're, we're men, so we like to poke fun at each other. I don't know why that is, but we do. And so I got made fun of a lot in my early years of hunting. So here's what happened. I thought, I need to be better. I need better gear. I'm going to get better gear. I need to be more physically fit. Because there's a problem if, if I can't get to where I need to go to find the animals. That's a problem. So I got fit. I lacked the skills, so I put hours and hours and hours, and to my wife's dismay, a lot of time into getting better at target shooting, uh, whether that was with my bow or my rifle. A lot of time. So now I'm confident. Now I have the ability to hit something, like a barn. But <laughs> it got better. So. Again, this instant feedback thing works really well. This is a great example. I put in the work, and what happened? My success rate went up. I started doing things that were required, like I got better gear, I got fit, and I practiced, and practiced, and practiced. And what happened was I started finding more animals because I went further. 
where people that didn't have those things or couldn't, couldn't go. I went further, I stayed longer, and I had more success. It was instant, I, get, I got it. Oh, wait a minute, I understand this. And then it started trailing into other aspects of my life. You may be saying, yeah, that's all well and good, but like, wh what is this, wh where does the Bible talk about this? Where does the Bible talk about this discipline? Concepts the same in life. When we practice in one arena, we can get better. Uh, when we practice in one arena, like uh, hunting, for example, it translates to other areas of our life, right? We, we understand that, oh, I get that. Maybe that'll work here. When we submit ourselves to God's word and meditate on it day and night, we can be prepared for the painful moments in life and look to his promises. And this is what Jesus did in the desert. Matthew 4, 1 to 11 is a story of Jesus uh, being tempted in the desert. So right after he was baptized, he went out. He went out into the desert. He, he fasted for 40 days. He was hungry. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. What did Jesus use in this example, to combat the devil. Scripture. How did he get the scripture? Aside from him being the son of God and all-knowing and all-powerful, and, and he was fully God, but he was also fully man, so how did he get it? He read it every day. He meditated on the scripture every day. He knew it inside and out. So he starts, Satan says, do this. No, God says this. Then Satan tries to trick him in the second, right? He's like, yeah, but God also says this. And that's what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. He tricked them. So Satan tries to trick him again. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I know what you did back then. No, this is what God's word says. Then Satan tries a third time. Well, that's not working. Let's give him the greedy part. says, no. No way. I know my scripture. This is what God says. This is discipline. Jesus uses the discipline. He uses, no, this is what the Bible says. So the question is, are you immersed in God's word? Do you have the ability that when, when life's troubles come at you, you're not listening to the tempter. You don't listen to Satan. 
I, I'm guilty of this. I, I listen to, to the, the, the distractions and the, the thoughts that tell me I'm not good enough or I should change who I am or that situation is insurmountable. I listen to those things. But those are all lies. Those are lies from the enemy. And if we're immersed in God's word, if we're constantly like practicing this spiritual art, we can be the type of people that go away from me, Satan. You don't know me. This is the truth. This is what God says. We don't listen to lies. We listen to the truth. We listen to his promises. And if, you, if you're still wondering if discipline matters to Jesus, Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose up, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose up, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What is the rain and wind in this parable? What is the rain, wind, and streams? That's, that's life's worries, right? That's the troubles that come along with life. And what is the firm foundation? That is God's word. That is Jesus telling, practice what I'm saying. That's the firm foundation. The firm foundation is practicing what God has said to us. Because if you notice, both men build a house. One builds it on the rock and one builds it on the sand. And I always thought that that was, okay, the rock is Jesus and the sand is, is anything else. But if you practice what Jesus says over and over again, that's that firm foundation. So that when the winds come and the streams rise up and your house is getting battered, you know this is what Jesus says. I know what God says. I have my, my house on a firm foundation. Amen? So how did I use discipline? Well, I'm going to go back to those three key areas. How did I create it? And yes, we create discipline. Like, we have to do this, right? We have to create, right? We're made in God's image. God created us. We can create things. We have words that can speak. We can make things manifest. We can create these things. So I wanted to create discipline in my life. <coughs> Here's what it looked like. In my body. I knew, so as an aside, I know I'm talking about being unhealthy and I'm talking about my weight. I don't want, like, that's my story, okay? If that's not your story, that's not your story. This is mine. So just keep that in mind. When I'm talking about these specific things, I'm not up here uh, like Hal and Joanne from Body Break. Everybody remember that? I'm not Hal, okay? That's not me. But I do want to talk about the discipline because it, like, this is how I used it. And I don't, I don't want you to leave here thinking, like, all he did was talk about discipline. He didn't actually show us how he was disciplined. So here's how I want to show you that I'm disciplined. I knew I needed to lose weight. 
losing weight for me is the formula. It's simple. Your calories out need to be greater than your calories in, meaning I need to burn more than I intake. It was a simple math equation. But I didn't know how many I was burned. And I didn't know how many I was bringing in. So there's like, I mean, you can look this up online. There's like the average of what your, like, person of your age, you know, weight, height, foot size um, will burn uh, on a daily basis. So I knew that. Now, I, what I didn't know is how much I was bringing in. So here's what I did. I counted every single thing. It was annoying. And it's still very annoying. See, I still do it. Because I have a propensity in my family, and I know my family's history, right? Know thyself. I know that I could, like, crush three burgers from five guys fast. And a large fry. That's impressive because they dump the extra fries into the, yeah, you know. I can do that. So I knew I needed to count these things. Because if I didn't have the information, I didn't, I didn't know. So I counted literally every single thing that went into my body. And I still do this. And it's kind of, my wife hates it because I have a scale at home. And, like, when we're eating, like, I still eat, like, I can eat anything. I just count it. So, like, when I'm eating chips and I dump them into the bowl to, like, get to 50 grams, and then she takes one, I get angry. <laughs> oh, I just counted those. There was 50 in there. Now there's 37.5. So I count them. And what that did for me, it, I, I set this goal. I counted these calories, and it ticked down. It was very hard. It's still very hard and annoying. But that's the discipline. See, if you fix your eyes on the goal, the goal is being healthy. The goal is to be here. Really, for me now, the goal is to live as long as I can for my children. They need a healthy dad. They need a dad that can keep up with them. They need a dad that can play catch. They need a dad that can jump on the trampoline. They need a dad that can wrestle. That requires me being healthy. So I have to do these other things to make that happen. And it's not fun, but it's necessary because I love wrestling with my kids. That was the body, in, in the mind. I knew I needed to rid myself of my addictions. I knew that, that, that was bad up here. They've done countless studies, by the way. They compare drug, this is uh, out of the Mayo Clinic. They compare um, uh, substance, uh, substance drug or substance addictions to other addictions, such as pornography or food. They compare these two addictions. You know what the interesting thing was? They do the same thing to the brain. They alter the prefrontal cortex, which is this part, and I'm, I'm starting to go into things that, that maybe I shouldn't because I'm not that smart. But <laughs> they alter your brain. What they do is they, they increase the propensity for you to make rash decisions. They increase the, uh, the, 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 the dopamine fix. I'm going to do this to get it right away. I'm going to get an immediate gratification. They increase that. What they decrease is the ability to make delayed gratification decisions. I'm going to do this now so that in four months I'm going to be better off. They decrease that ability in your brain. So I knew for my mind's sake I needed to rid myself of these. So what did I do? I got an accountability partner. Now, this is a tough thing to manage, especially if they're a friend of yours. So 
here's what it looked like. I didn't know what I needed. Because if I knew what I needed, I wouldn't have done it. Or I would, do, I would be doing the thing I knew I needed. Right? I'm starting to sound like Paul here. <coughs> if I knew what I needed, I would have done it. I didn't know what I needed. I had no idea. So I found somebody that knew, hey, here's how you rid yourself of that. Follow what I'm telling you to do. Be honest, and we can guide you through. That sucked. Having somebody tell you what to do sucks. I'm, so I'm just going to call a spade a spade. I'm, you're not supposed to say suck, probably, from the pulpit. but It wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't comfortable. But I knew that it, if I wanted to get from where I was to where I needed to be, I needed to submit myself to somebody. Somebody that knew how to do this. Somebody that had gone through this. So I found a friend. He had gone through this years ago. And he was like actively living out these steps of how to get free from addictions. So I did what he told me. I watched the DVD series. I logged in the journal that they gave you with this DVD series. I installed the apps on my phone that he could monitor. And I like went as far as onto my phone, onto the app store. He put in a passcode that says, to download new apps, you need my permission. And the only app I had was something that he could monitor. Sounds terrible, right? I mean, we do this for our kids, probably. But, like, I'm in my late 20s. Why am I doing this? I'm a grown man. I can make my own decisions. Nope. Can't. Lead me to a bad place. So I did these things. And here's what happened. I stopped using those things. Because I couldn't. And soon enough, I can't. Using them because I can't turned into using them because I can't. You see the difference? I can't use them. Shoot. I was like, no, 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 I can't use that. I'm better off without it. Right? So that's what it looked like in my mind. Lastly, in my spirit. This is the most important part of anything I'm going to talk about today. Discipline in your spirit, because this will beget the others. See, discipline in your spirit leads to that staying free. That's how the cuffs stay off. Discipline in your spirit, for me, was this, walking with the Lord. Every morning. Rain or shine, lots of snow, walking with the Lord. It's uncomfortable still. I mean, like in August, it's awesome. You just got to put some bug spray on. <laughs> in September, it's great. In June this year, it sucked. It was raining every day. There I go, saying suck again. But in June, it, like, it rained every day. In February, it's miserable. Walking through two feet of snow is not fun. But here's what I knew I needed. I knew I needed to get out somewhere. I knew I needed to do this. And if you notice, I like to walk. Okay? I knew I needed to pace because what did pacing do for me? Pacing, again, know thyself. Pacing kept me awake. I can go back to sleep. I got up in the morning to do this because that's when my kids were asleep and my wife was asleep. So I wasn't taking time out of, out of my time with them or out of help they needed. So I got up early and I walked. I'm walking, I'm awake, now what? 
Now I pray. So I prayed. Now I plug the pods in and I listen to the Bible. And I let the word of God permeate my being, permeate my soul. And maybe I didn't do either one of those things. Like I did this morning, I left the AirPods out and I just walked with the Lord. This is what it says in Genesis. The Lord used to walk through the garden with Adam and Eve. He would just walk with them. <laughs> How amazing would that be for you to just walk with the Lord? This was my spiritual discipline. I needed to walk with him every single day. And here's what happens. When I'm, when I'm eating like junk, I'm eating those three burgers from five guys and the large fries. When I'm doing that, or I let, m or I let the addictions slip, maybe I'm looking at things I'm not supposed to. Always there is one area in my life that has slipped, and it's this. I am not walking with the Lord. I am not focused on his word. I'm not plugged into the word. I'm not listening. I'm not letting it permeate my very being and soul. I am not fit to say, away from me, Satan. Do we get that? When we're soaked in it, we can say these things. When we know without a shadow of a doubt, this is what the Lord says, this is my promise, that's a lie, I'm not fit to say away from me. When things go sideways in my life, it's this. I'm not walking. I'm not getting out in the cold, in the wet, in the snow. I'm letting life beat me. And I know life is hard, friends. I get that. Please don't hear my story and think this is all the hardship he's ever gone through. He let something beat him. And now he's fine. It must be nice that's the only trials you've been through. If we all got up here and shared all our trials, we'd all be here for a long time. Right? This is what creates that firm foundation. This is what creates the rock we build our house on. So friends say, well, I, like, that, something happens to you. Oh, aren't you, like, upset or mad or angry? I got a firm foundation. Anybody ever look up the meaning of their name? Anybody do that? After I've gone through all this stuff, we're having kids and we're trying to pick out right names for our kids. Right? Grace, Nellie, and Maya. All of their names have an important connection for us and for them. But I decided to look up my own name. Ethan. A lot of people don't know Ethan is a biblical name. Second Kings. When God gives Solomon wisdom, that's the first we hear of it. 
Solomon asked for wisdom, and it says that Solomon was wiser even than Ethan the Ezraite. Amen, Ethan, right? We're the second wisest guy in the Bible. Yes! So I looked it up. Ethan means firm foundation. This isn't easy. And it's not easy to get up here and talk about either. Please hear me. I'm not judging any of you. I'm trying to, to encourage all of you that life is hard and it sucks. It's three times I use it. But we have hope because we put in the work and we have a firm foundation. Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Trained by it. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.